Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Hey guys, it's Pete with Starting Strength, giving you the rundown on everything that we have coming up for seminars. Next seminar up is February 5th through the 7th in Wichita Falls, then April 16th through the 18th, also in Wichita Falls. For camps on the list, we have a coaching development camp this weekend, November 22nd with Nick Delgadillo and myself covering how to coach the squat and the deadlift in Orlando, Florida. For lifting camps, we have our self-sufficient lifter camp on January 9th in Wichita Falls. We cover the squat, the press, and the deadlift, how to film yourself properly, and how to diagnose your own technique. We do have a squat camp on the list December 5th in Moodis, Connecticut. That's in Central Connecticut at Anino Strength and Conditioning. We also have a deadlift and power clean camp on the list at Starting Strength Houston on January 16th. Just added a new squat and deadlift camp to the list January 23rd in Boise, Idaho. And finally for lifting camps, we have our three lift camp this weekend, November 22nd in Baltimore at 5x3, covering the squat, the bench, and the deadlift. Numerous meets on the list, including an annoying amount of USAW meets in Omaha at Testify Strength and Conditioning, along with a partner meet in Baltimore in December, and another strength lifting meet in Omaha. Starting Strength gyms are all open and operating where you can come in and get coaching for less than $30 a session. We continue to add cities to the list, Cincinnati was just announced, and Boston has found a location and signed a lease. For more information about locations or to request a location, head over to locations.startingstrengthgyms.com. And as usual, for more information about any of the events that I've talked about, head over to startingstrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet, ladies and gentlemen, starting Strength Radio. Welcome to Starting Strength Radio. It's Friday, and as is true on every Friday, it is not Saturday, it's not Thursday, it's Friday. When it's Friday, it's Friday. And we're dead serious about that. I've always said Friday should be its own day, and here on Starting Strength Radio, it is. And we're here this week with our our buddy Jay Campbell. Jay is the author of this very important book, Testosterone Optimization Therapy Bible. And yeah, we've had a bunch of requests over a very long period of time to deal with testosterone replacement therapy. And uh, we have been looking around for somebody knowledgeable to talk to. And uh, we, uh, we just asked ourselves one day last week, what is the best selling book on this? And this is it. And therefore, we wanted to talk to the author of this book, Jay Campbell, and I've discussed some stuff with Jay, and this is going to be a very, very good show. You guys are going to get a whole bunch of stuff. I'm going to learn a bunch of stuff, and you're going to learn a bunch of stuff. And I appreciate Jay's time. Uh, And uh, this is uh, a fairly uh, controversial topic in some quarters and in other quarters it is uh so fucking obvious that this is what we need to do as older guys that it's just odd that anybody could feel the other way about it uh jay uh why do you think the medical community is so resistant to the idea 
of testosterone replacement therapy. Well, Mark, first off, it's an honor to be on your show here today, brother. I truly appreciate it. I'm humbled, privileged at the opportunity. So thank you for having me here. Um, this is going to be an amazing show, and a lot of people are going to get clarification on what's really going on. But that's a great question to start the show off with because, truthfully, I could give you a bunch of different answers. You know, I could put my tinfoil hat on and tell you that, you know, over the last 30 years, testosterone levels have precipitously declined across the globe. And these are obviously numerous scientific studies that bear that out. Um, but ultimately, and this is my personal opinion, the medical slash clinical community does not understand this. Okay. It's not taught from a medical school level. There's no standard care of practice applied through clinicians across the country on how to do this. Most of the physicians that are successful in prescribing testosterone therapeutically have used it on themselves and have actually also been given the runaround, you know, with other physicians who started them and screwed them up. So we're in this weird world where there's only a few people both men and women from a clinician standpoint that actually understand how to optimize a, per, optimize a patient's hormone levels. Well, the interesting part of, of and the, the interesting thing and the most important aspect of that, of the question about what, what is wrong with the medical community is, be, is that the vast, vast, vast majority of people who uh, decide that they want to investigate testosterone replacement therapy are going to do it through a physician. And the first thing they're going to hear from their doctor is this big, long litany of bullshit yeah. that persists in, uh, in this topic. Um, so, uh, I guess a good place to start would be the list of bullshit. What is a guy who goes to his, uh, oh, God help him, his general practitioner and asks about testosterone replacement therapy, what's he going to hear from these people? Well, what first, are, the first thing, it's a great question. The first question thing he's going to push back, he's going to hear is like, oh, you don't need that. You're fine. Right. Because the physician, again, knows very little about testosterone themselves. The, the average physician, general practitioner, you know, PPO provider has, not, has nothing as far as a, a, you know, a clinical background and understanding the difference between total testosterone and free testosterone or estrogen or any of those things. And so henceforth, when that you know, middle-aged man or middle-aged woman comes and asks about it, they just instantly push back because they're not technically qualified to have an intelligent conversation. Now, obviously, I'm talking about GPs and PPO guys, but you know, an endocrinologist and a urologist may not say you're fine, but they also may say to them, "Oh, you don't need testosterone because," and then that because is a litany of reasons. I have that they don't uh, want to prescribe. I have run into a lot of people who have heard this same litany of bullshit from their urologist. I've heard oh, some, yeah. heard urologists say some really really stupid things. Uh, the urologist is much more likely than it's been my experience. The urologist is much more likely to go ahead and do a test, right? Uh, do a hormone level examination, lab tests on on a person that asks them about that, and then they go through uh, the numbers. They see the reference range. They see that their patient is somehow within the reference range, and because you're in the reference range, you're just fine. <laughs> and uh, 
this is so frustrating. Um, you know, 55 year old guy goes to his urologist says, I, you know, I feel like shit. I'm kind of borderline depressed. You know, I haven't had a, hadn't had blue steel in a number of years. And, you know, I'm, I'm interested in my brain, but my body doesn't cooperate. I'm sore. I'm tired. I don't sleep good. Right. Got no appetite. The whole list of things that indicate, uh, what is referred to as hypogonadism. Right. Um, and, uh, the guy says, well, we can do a test, you know, we'll, <laughs> go ahead. We'll, 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 you know, we'll do a blood test and we'll see what, uh, I'm going to send it to lab court and, and, and see what they say. And then it comes back and they're, you know, they're, uh, they come back and, and they're at, uh, 312. Their total testosterone is at 312. And uh, guy says, well, yeah, you're uh, within the normal range. You know, uh, the reference range is 275 to 975 or whatever the hell they're saying it is this week. And uh, and you're within that range, so uh, there's nothing I can do for you, you know. And, uh, and, and a guy says, well, I mean, after all, he is a doctor. Right. You know. And... Uh, and so he walks out of the office, the same pile of shit that he walked into the office and nothing has been done to help the guy yep. because of this reference range thing. So I think a wonderful place to start this discussion is to talk about the reference range. What is a reference range? Just in general, in terms of sure. blood tests, what's a reference range? What's so the reference range for CPK? How is it determined? What's the reference, for example, what's the reference range for free testosterone and how was that determined? So basically, these are all great questions. And this is the story that you gave is exactly what happens to 95%, if not 99% of men across the country and women mm -hmm. for that case. But, mm -hmm. you know, ultimately we're talking about men. But basically the standard range or the reference range for total testosterone and free testosterone was established, you know, by the endocrine society. I don't know when it was. I think it was about 15 years ago. But as you said, it's moving every week. In fact, it's moved so far now that the high end of the range is 786 or 788. You can fact check me on that. And then the low end is 125. Now, 125 on for a male. Yeah. So I'm. it's insane. <laughs> I've been on therapeutic testosterone for 20 years, right? And when I first started, the high end of the range, just to give you this variability, was 1360. And the low end was 400 plus. Right. So now they've compressed the ranges to obviously, the, and again, they call it or refer to it as the standard mean deviation. But now we're at 780 and 130 or 124, whatever it is. And they will tell you that the reason they're compressing the range is because of obesity in America. But you and I both know that that's not true. What does that and have the top to do clinicians, with well, so so they have a, they have an excuse, but the top clinicians will tell you that it's actually just them prescribing or further restricting the prescribing capacity of doctors. So they're basically right. eliminating the opportunity for men to get therapeutic testosterone. But they say that obesity, obviously, which is insulin resistance, metabolic disorder, lowers testosterone naturally, which of course it does, right? But that's well, not of course the issue. it does. The and the way we get rid of those symptoms is to raise testosterone. Exactly. Huh? Hello. What? <laughs> yeah, I, it should I, be frontline therapy. Yeah, it should be frontline therapy for any man who walks into the office to get a bolus of testosterone in whatever delivery system, 
It will mediate, you know, short-term memory. It li- eliminates depression, as you know. Yes. Uh, it increases energy. It increases dopamine signaling. I mean, it does so many amazing things, and that's why it should be frontline therapy. I even have physicians that say psychiatrists should be using testosterone for an aging man as frontline therapy over all the SSRI bullshit, you know, brain adjuvants, oh, because been, all those do create dependency. I've had that conversation so many times, Jay. It's... Uh, yeah. I've had the conversation with psychiatrists. I've had it with psychiatric patients. Uh, yeah. A guy, and this, it that is such an important thing that I think we'll go ahead and put this at the front of the show. Uh, my uh, experience with this, my personal experience with it, and the experience of lots and lots of my buddies yeah. has been that if you are a little depressed, you know, like the kind of thing where you're, you know, you're driving home from work at night and you find that you're crying for some bizarre reason. <laughs> doesn't for, for <laughs> you know, you, you, you find that you have a female reaction to an emotional situation, this sort of thing. And, and you're getting tired of it and it's bothering you. You're not sleeping good. You're worried all the time about this, this sort of thing. And you take, a big bolus of test cypionate, two cc's, 400 milligrams of test cypionate in your left ass cheek because you listened to me. And I, I decided that, that I would tell you this and share this with you, and you decided to go ahead and try it. And 72 hours later, it's a miracle. Your brain is back to normal. You can't, I can't tell you how many guys have walked yeah. in the gym after trying this and yeah. said, you know, you were right. <laughs> you know, I, uh, the last guy that did that, that I had to do this to me, I, I, wa- I saw him walk in the door and I could tell by the way he walked in the door that things we're better. It it was. This is not confirmation bias. I've seen, uh, I've seen this a lot, and I could tell that his brain was. He, it, it, it. You've seen what I'm talking about. It's just you. You. Your. Your attitude changes completely, and it doesn't. I don't know how. You could convince a psychiatrist to try this, especially when there really, really isn't a downside no. to doing it. Because uh, has anyone ever died from 400 milligrams of testosterone cypionate? Not provably. I mean, you, you can die from taking 40 aspirin. Yeah. But you can't die from, from 400 milligrams of testosterone cypionate. You could give your grandmother 400 milligrams of testosterone cypionate and she wouldn't die. No. She'd be a whole lot more interesting for about three weeks, <laughs> but she would not die. You're right? right. And uh, it, it just astonishes me that there, since there's no downside, why don't you, just, why don't you guys just try this? As the as the frontline treatment for somebody that walks in the psychiatrist's office with mild depression, why yeah. not? Why because, not? Because they don't make money, Mark. Yeah, they make money you know, prescribing SSRIs. You know, testosterone's a generic. 
God damn, no that's money. cynical, isn't it? But it's the but truth. It's true. It's the truth. It is, in fact, the truth. So, uh, in, in fact, it's been my experience that the most profound uh, effects of testosterone replacement therapy are psychological, not physical. Absolutely. Yes. Hundred percent. No, you're actually right because yeah. it, it it increases cognition and it increases dopamine signaling pathways in the brain. And as soon as dopamine receptors are turned on, it's like, whoa! I got a new. I feel on. better somehow. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, this if you guys don't take anything away from our little discussion today, if you're having this, if you're 55. And you just feel sad all the time for no apparent reason. I understand current circumstances here in 2020 make any intelligent person sad. But if you can divorce <laughs> the sadness that you're experiencing from current events and you find that you're sad all the time, why don't you try this and just see what happens? Because... The side, the the adverse effects of doing so are non-existent. They're non-existent. True, by the way, physicians that tell you that testosterone replacement therapy is dangerous don't know what they're talking about. Walk they're out not, of the office. They 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 have no idea what they're talking no, about. No clue. No clue. Yeah, that's true. So, I, I I Mark, I, I talk about that all the time. I you know. When guys say that, I say there are no side effects. If this is done correctly and initiated from a physician, you know, that understands what they're doing, there are no side effects. There may be a little bit of an adjustment dosage-wise, but Jay, there's no side effect. Jay, even in a, in a physician who doesn't know what they're doing that puts two cc's of testosterone in your ass, even if he doesn't even know how to administer the injection properly, there are no right. side effects. There just no. aren't any side effects. There's no reason to to talk about a disclaimer here. There are no. There's no downside to this. I mean, I guess he could stick it in a in a vein. <laughs> you know, he sticks two cc's of oil in a vein because he doesn't know how to aspirate the needle correctly. That maybe that's a bad side effect, but that's not the testosterone's fault. Mm -hmm. uh, well, there. I mean, we we should say there are delivery systems that are bogus, right? Like the pellets. Yeah, the yeah we're going to talk pellets. about all of that later because yeah. there's there's a lot of ways to waste money on TRT. <laughs> right. Whole bunch of ways to waste money on it, and the the physicians that don't know what they're talking about are far more likely to waste your money than they are to kill you. Hundred percent. Right. So, what's the rest of the bullshit? Uh. What do we hear about heart attacks? We hear about heart disease associated with elevated testosterone. Let's so, just so, go through the list. Yeah, so for sure. So the two biggest side effects, you know, BS that you hear about prostate issues and then heart issues, right? Now, right. the reality of both is that, and again, this is all, you know, substantiated with, you know, literally hundreds of clinical studies from the last 10 years uh, in the book, in the TOT Bible. And by the way, anyone who listens to this podcast with me and Mark, can get a copy of the books for free, the TOT Bible. It's a PDF, of course. All you have to do is go to jccampbell.com forward slash free books, and Mark can put that in, put that in show we'll notes. Put but, that up. That's awfully generous of you. 
Yeah, no, no, for yeah. sure, man. I, I give back. Right. I want men to understand what you and I are talking about because, like you said, it's so important. Good. But, that, but to your question, you know, prostate, let's talk about prostate before we'll get to heart. So most doctors think that testosterone therapy or, you know, TRT or TOT, I call it optimization therapy, can mm -hmm. cause prostate issues. It's actually the inverse yes. that is true. You only have a prostate issue if you have low testosterone because low, low testosterone causes benign prostatic hyperplasia. And then over time, it gets worse, which, you know, obviously it elevates your PSA, which, by the way, the PSA is a worthless measure That's anyway. Absolutely. We can talk about that as a separate <laughs> issue. That's, oh, my God. There are totally so insane. many people unnecessarily operated on because this oh, PSA yeah. bullshit. Don't even get it's, me going. Yep, oh, totally. God. So, so anyway, optimized testosterone, you'll never have a prostate issue ever. And then the, again, go going to the inverse again, heart disease or heart issues is also the inverse that they now know that the majority of men who have a testosterone deficiency, who have then suffered some form of heart, you know, uh, atherosclerotic or, you know, vascular pathway issue had a low testosterone level and that the, you know, there was a, a study it was called the Tom study and it was in, I think 2011 and they had a patient population cohort of men who were basically dying. They were all sick and pre-existing conditions. And a couple of them had a heart issue when they were given therapeutic testosterone. And my, may, may I add that therapeutic testosterone that they gave them was androgel, which as you know, is worthless. <laughs> it's not therapeutic testosterone. So that was the study. Yeah, that was Standard the Standard medical study. Jesus yeah, that was the study they extrapolated to say that it caused these heart issues, which we now have know that is completely disproven. I mean, again, the opposite is true. If you are an older man and you do not seek testosterone therapy and you have a testosterone deficiency, you will have at some point a heart and a prostate issue. It's that simple. Uh, the prostate's an interesting thing. That's the first thing the doctors want to talk about. Well, we give you start taking a bunch of testosterone, you're going to end up with prostate cancer. <laughs> All right. Who has prostate cancer? Uh, I'm, I'm not asking Jay. I'm asking you. Who has prostate cancer? Old men have prostate exactly. cancer. What is the testosterone level, typically, of an old man? Low. It's no. low. Why, then, would you associate high levels of, pro of testosterone with prostate issues when that's not what we see. Never. The phenomenology is that old men with low prostate show up with low testosterone. I'm sorry. Old men with low testosterone show up with prostate cancer. All right. Uh, it's, it's, this thing has persisted. This, this, little nugget of bullshit has persisted in urology and in uh, the GP's office for a long, long time, when it should be obvious that that's, that's absolutely not the case. Yeah, it's 60 years. In fact, the top GPs, or not GPs, but the top oncologists now, Mark, use testosterone with their patients that have stage one and stage two prostate cancer because they know. The testosterone is a therapeutic adjuvant for someone that has a prostate issue. It's protective. But there's only a small percentage of those guys. The story of PSA. You know, I, I tell you what, PSA is such an interesting topic that maybe you and I 
we'll get together on another show Perfect. and talk about the history of the PSA exam, what PSA is chemically, what it actually is, what it does, why it's secreted, why right. it occurs, and and what its physiologic, what that protein's physiologic purpose is yep. in the body, and let and and talk about this because I have a I had a good friend, mentor of mine, college professor that uh, is dead now, and uh, it's uh, it's a sore spot with me. It damn sure is, and, and you and I will get together and talk about that another time. Uh, let's see. Cholesterol. It'll make your cholesterol go up. <laughs> Why, it'll give you cholesterol. Yeah, cholesterol. I mean, just a quick conversation about that. You already know, but cholesterol is a meaningless topic in and of itself. I mean, in and of genetic, itself. Genetic. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Despite its dubious association with elevated testosterone levels, uh, it it does not elevate testosterone cholesterol. No, and even no. if it did, who gives a shit? Okay, the right, bigger exactly. problem is statins. Oh yeah, yeah. We can do another show on that too. That'd be fun. <laughs> statins. Well, oh statins my god, will lower your testosterone for sure. Well, they they do all kinds of bad things. <laughs> all kinds of bad things. Uh, uh, that's, that's another, that's another hour long discussion that yeah. we'll have at some point. It's medicine, man. It's just insane what they do to people. It really so is. It really is. Uh, uh, insulin resistance. Uh, that's all, that's all. That's interesting. Isn't it? Why would insulin resistance go up in the presence of a substance that increases muscle mass. Yeah, exactly. I, it's the I, dead opposite. <laughs> it's it's like you're talking to Democrats, right? Uh, they accuse us of what they're guilty of. It, it just, it's just exactly like that. Show me proof, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Now here is here is an interesting here's an interesting topic. This this might actually apply to some guys of some of a particular age group, uh, the lower age cohorts uh, of people that actually might need to be on testosterone replacement therapy uh, might have their sperm count adversely affected by the administration of testosterone. Uh, Now, that has to be acknowledged. But how many 55-year-old guys do you know are trying to get the old lady knocked up? At the age of 55, I guess it happens every once in a while, but, but this certainly doesn't apply to the population at large, does it? No. Well, let's be honest, right? Like just to address that because guys will say, oh, well, I can't ever, I lose my fertility. Well, that's not true. You can use an ancillary medication like human menopausal gonotropin or HCG, human chorionic gonotropin, and that keeps FSH and luteinizing hormone high so that you do maintain modal sperm and you can still impregnate, you know, your wife or girlfriend or whatever, right? So it's like, it's not true that using testosterone will make you infertile. You just have to use testosterone intelligently. Mm -hmm. But the fact remains that the vast majority of people who are uh, symptomatic for 
hypogonadism are not those guys have long since given up on the idea <laughs> right <laughs> they're going to mm-hmm. get the old lady knocked up Correct. Uh, you know uh long time ago i remember uh, uh some discussions and i think these were primarily the studies done on this were coming out of Europe of using uh, decadurabolin, which is an injectable anabolic steroid. It's not testosterone. It's a it's a testosterone analog. Right. Anabolic. It's an anabolic steroid, an oil based anabolic steroid for birth control in men. Right. And because it has the immediate effect of dropping your sperm count, and for a lot of guys, this is a this is a beneficial side effect. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, a guy's young and active and shit, you know, doesn't want to be in in a paternity situation. <laughs> uh, right. You know, uh, there are, you know, a lot of people who would regard a lower sperm count as a as a benefit, as a beneficial effect of the therapy. So. uh but just to acknowledge the fact that 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 does take place, you know. In in fact, yeah, uh, testosterone replacement therapy can lower your sperm count. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but what are the beneficial effects? Let's go through that list, shall we? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first off, you already said it, right? The first noticeable effect of a person that you know, optimizes their, their testosterone with a, th- a bolus of therapeutic testosterone is dopamine enhancement, right? Which is going to increase well-being. You're going to feel better. You're going to have that like lethargy or that sadness as you discussed, you know, go away. So you're going to feel better. You're going to have more energy. You're definitely going to have uh, better cognition, short-term and long-term memory is improved. Uh, and then of course, energetically, you're going to feel like you have more energy, right? You know, a lot of guys think it's sexual function enhancement. That's kind of like way down the list of all the things that it really does. Yeah, sure. If you have super, super deficient testosterone levels, a bolus is going to increase, you know, sexual functioning. You're going to get better erections, whatnot. But most of the stuff is, in, you know, uh, in the brain. You know, it's yeah. going to be dendritic and synaptic pathway effects. Certainly been my observation is that the, the primary initial effect, the 72 hours, effect is is uh, psychological yeah 100 it's, it's a it's a big gigantic effect for guys that are tired of being depressed sick and tired of being sick and tired sick and tired of it. yep and uh well here's how you here's how you actually know what testosterone does listen to the ads on the radio for andro 400 <laughs> Right. <laughs> Listen to the ads for the for the oral testosterone boosters. I think Bo whatever Jackson. they say that shit does, that's what testosterone <laughs> actually does. I think uh, Bo Jackson and Frank Thomas do commercials for that. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Talking. Yeah, they do. Yeah. There's there's several of these things. And that's a big giant ass market right now. Uh, oh yeah. It it noticeably absent from any of their advertising, any of their claims is the actual level of testosterone that got boosted. Yeah, exactly. You know, all you'd have to say is my testosterone went from 127 to 972, (laughs) and I'd buy some of the shit. Right. Right? 
but so, they never say so, that because that's it's not so what funny. Happened. It's so funny though. Cause we have a whole chapter in the book on, you know, investigating the science behind all the over the counter supplements. And they're, as you know, abject fraud. What do you, you think they actually do? What's in that uh, shit? Well, some of them, you know, I can name a couple, but I won't, but some of them will increase, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, sec- libido. It'll enhance libido. Well, that's but just nothing a... is going to increase free testosterone or total yeah. testosterone from anything beyond a transient level. Those so things can... are primarily horny goat weed. Yeah. And other vasodilator type yep. chemicals. The same basic stuff that's in Cialis. Exactly. And uh, one of the one of the interesting side effects of Cialis. And because it, it's got such a long half-life in the body, and to a lesser extent, uh, Viagra is the fact that not only does it uh, dilate the vasculature in uh, the erectile mechanism in the penis, right. it also dilates your lower esophageal sphincter. Yep, that's absolutely and causes true. GERD gastroesophageal yeah. reflux disease or the yes, symptoms thereof. That's correct. And those of you guys that are taking Cialis, taking Viagra, notice you've got heartburn. That's why. That it's is a trade-off, you know. It's a trade-off. And uh, uh, depending on your particular situation, it may not be worth it. But that's well, be that's aware what, that's of the fact should, that it does that, and the, the herbal stuff should, does the same thing too. To, to your point, Mark, guys should use a very surgical dose of Cialis so that they can minimize that. You know, but like you said, some guys are going to need a bigger dose to actually get the effect. But if you can use a very low dose of Cialis, you can minimize those effects. But you're right; some guys they need a bigger dose. They just have much more issues. They have their endothelial function is very, very off. Yeah, and that, you know, a lot of that has to do with the rest of their health picture. You know, exactly. Are they training? Exactly. How are you know? What's their diet look like? All that other shit. Do they have accompanying yep. type two? How much? How much metabolic syndrome? Yep. Uh, symptoms do they have? All of that will blunt the effect of those of those drugs and cause you to need to have more of them. What about uh, what about uh, all the other stuff that that are claimed for the? testosterone boosters, body fat, stomach fat, muscle mass, all that stuff. So testosterone, as you already said, um, is lipolytic in nature so that it increases basal metabolic rate, you know, mm-hmm. it uncouples uh, from a thermogenesis standpoint. So basically when you use testosterone, you are going to have an accelerated uh, body fat you know, loss, because again, it's again, lipolytic, it increases all those things. Um, but ultimately, too, it increases, um, you know, muscle protein kinase turnover and gives a person a, a positive nitrogen, you know, anabolic response signaling. So a person that's training, obviously, with weights, which I hope you are when you're using testosterone, is going to be, you know, pro nitrogenic from a standpoint of they'll be able to put on muscle easier. Now, a therapeutic dose versus, you know, a super physiologic dose, and obviously we're talking about therapeutic doses here, um, you know, is going to still allow a person to put on muscle mass a lot easier. Now, something else that testosterone does, which is huge, is for aging men, is uh, improves bone mineral density, right? So as a guy gets older, you know, the skeleton becomes more compromised if you're not 
supplementing with therapeutic testosterone with in combination with doing, you know, bone resistance training or mm-hmm. whatever, that, whatever you do from a resistance training standpoint. So, um, I mean, again, you already said it, it does so many things from a positive standpoint to help an aging man that it's almost insane not to consider using therapeutic testosterone. Once you get to an age where your levels are just not optimal, you know, not normal, optimal, right. big difference. Optimal is a, well, Normal is, uh, once again, a, uh, BS. Uh, a, an interesting concept that's based on uh, this wholesale swallowing of the reference range idea. <laughs> right. uh, so it, it's, it's obvious at this point that, and you'd mentioned this earlier, that uh, testosterone levels have dropped over the past decades. What's the... What do you what do you think? And these are significant drops, 60 percent in some studies, uh, from you know, from averages up in the nine hundreds to averages down in the four hundreds. Uh, what would be responsible for something like that? I mean, the answers are you know again pretty pretty explicit in the book, but you know the clinical community will tell you that it's just modern day living. You know that essentially human endocrine systems are under assault now from the chemicals, from the air that we breathe, the food that we eat, the toxins that we take in, the blue light from the technology and our devices that are all over us because that also reduces uh, endocrine system response and biological system response, but. You know, ultimately, too, I mean, people just do not take care of themselves. You know, people are yeah. over consuming fast food, drinking too much alcohol, eating too much sugar, you know, sure. not exercising. Right. Like right. how many people are sedentary? Well, so you I, you know, I don't know much about the blue light or any of these other rather esoteric explanations for this. But I do understand that obesity is way up. Diet has become much more carbohydrate dependent because of the yeah, simple food. our friend Ansel Keys many years ago blaming uh, carbohydrate ingestion for or fat ingestion for heart disease and you know of course if we have to stop eating fat we need to start eating snack whales cookies you know and the <laughs> the, the effect right. the effect of that on type 2 diabetes would be hard to overstate um you know, as as levels of type two diabetes go up and levels of obesity go up, uh, concomitantly we see muscle mass levels going down. A complete radical shift right. in body composition across uh, across the world. We have far fewer men doing manual labor jobs, right. especially in this country. You know, yep. farming is now machine based instead of instead of labor based. Uh, that this, these changes across society uh, more than adequately explain a um, uh, change in uh, uh, most men's physical existence. Yeah. Our physical existences are different now than they were 60 years ago. And Yeah, uh, well, Dr. Anthony Jay wrote a really good book, too, that I think we could probably bring up real quick. It's called Estrogeneration, and he's like the Mayo Clinic's lead researcher on, you know, the anthropomorphical changes that are happening right now in, like, body composition between males and females. And he basically says that, again, it's just phytoestrogens are everywhere. They're in the food, the air, you know, obviously they're in the plastic and the water bottles, the PCB, the phylates, all of that stuff 
contributes to, you know, second and third generational changes at the gene level. And that's why men are less masculine and women are becoming more masculine. You know, there you, you take tests of 17, 18 year old girls, 17, 18 year old boys. and You see it. It's incredible. I kind of like masculine women. <laughs> Does that make me bad? No, I feel you, brother. My, my, my wife is a beautiful woman, but she's she's got a masculine side to her. Well, there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but but I think that as a culture, we have, uh, over the past 20 years, the pussification yeah, of, 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 of popular culture with respect to male behavior is, is not... It's a, it's a shameful, shameful situation. We remember the iconic uh, pajama boy from the Obama administration's yeah, yeah. Christmas advertising that year. Soy, the soy and, boys. Yeah, these people are, are uh, you know, uh, not all of them accept that, and a lot of them are trying to, are trying to undo this effect and, and, that's been good for our business here, but uh, the more popular culture tells men that it's okay to cry, uh, you know, the more problems yeah. men are going to have as a result of that because, you know, men are not supposed to cry easily. Yeah. You know, not, I, that's going to, I, I I don't think that, that a lot of people that watch this show would have a problem with that statement. And if but you do have true. a problem problem with that statement, you're probably crying right <laughs> now because you're so upset that I would say that. One, one other look, boys, men are not supposed to cry all the time. When your dog yeah, dies, that's fine. Okay. Right. Yeah, when exactly. your dog dies, you get to cry. When your mom dies, you get to cry. But when somebody tells you no, you don't get to cry. This is this is not the way your psychophysiology is supposed to function. And I think it's very important to think about that because throughout history, men are not known for crying just at random on the way home from work at night. That's not right. what we do. We're not supposed to do that. And if you are doing that, um, perhaps you have had your standards lowered. Yep. Or perhaps your testosterone is low. Yep. That's about about the best way you could say it. You know, uh, Dr. J in that book, Esther Generation, did say too that and again, there's proof of this now that using birth control, you know, women started using birth control 30 mm -hmm. years ago. That washed off into the water supply. And now they see fish and I've all the freshwater streams you know, becoming feminine. So I've heard that see. mentioned. Uh, yeah. Those those uh, those compounds are rather stable. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and they do end up in the water supply. That That's certainly true. Uh, you mentioned Alzheimer's in here yeah that's an interesting that's an interesting topic how do you think 
testosterone plays into the Alzheimer's disease question? Well, if you that's a great question. There's different differing opinions, but if you ask Dr. Mark Gordon, you know, who's probably one of the world's foremost uh, traumatic brain injury doctors working with a lot of, you know, ex-military um, and law enforcement folks that have suffered TBIs, you know, he says that he can prove that, you know, testosterone or deficiency of testosterone leads to amyloid plaque formation. And obviously with, you know, what, for what we know of right now with Alzheimer's, you know, if you have amyloid plaque formation, which is really type three diabetes, by the way, because that's a whole I've other conversation. I've heard that for years, yes. Yeah. So essentially, if you have that, you're going to get down that pathway. So as you are, and you and I, Mark, have already discussed on this show, testosterone mediates type 2 diabetes, adult onset, right? It's mm -hmm. improving um, body fat loss, improving insulin sensitivity, increasing metabolic rate. So why would you not use therapeutic testosterone to also mediate slash mitigate uh, any kind of neurodegenerative disorder, whether that's Alzheimer's or dementia? Have you seen any uh, indication that women with Alzheimer's could beneficially respond to testosterone therapy? Oh, 100%. I mean, there's a couple studies in the book um, that lead down this pathway talking about that. Um, but there's no question. I mean, again, male and female physiology are essentially the same. The only differentiation is that men have more levels of testosterone. And as you know, give a woman super physiologic levels of testosterone and she turns into a man. So, you well, know, she tries simple. to. <laughs> she doesn't quite get right. there, but she tries to. Almost. All right, now that we've kind of established, at least in our minds, hopefully yours, that uh, testosterone replacement therapy is a good thing for lots and lots of people. What is the best way to do this, Jay? What do you, uh, I mean, if you go into the, to the GP's office, you go to your urologist, they're going to want you to use a patch or a cream or something like this. And for some <laughs> bizarre reason, none of them will just put a shot in your ass. I don't understand how they think they can deliver a precise dose of testosterone transdermally. It, it's, it's as though they don't care about the level when they do right. it like this. What the hell is going on here? Okay, so again, great question. There's two delivery systems. There's really one, but there's one new delivery system that actually does work transdermally, and I'll explain it in a second. Um, but the tried and true method of testosterone replacement therapy is obviously an injection, right? Yes. Now, what we've learned in the last 10 years really tweaking this is understanding that what you want to do as a physician and then, of course, a patient following along is you want to mimic the body's natural release, okay? The endogenous release and pulsatile diurnal release of testosterone through the body. Mm -hmm. So the best way you can mimic that with an exogenous, you know, external source of testosterone is by injection frequency. So the right. best way to really do this today and really get as close as you can to the body's release of testosterone is to inject. Some guys, honestly, uh, right now, Mark, inject every day. You know, they use like a little HCG needle, you know, an insulin needle or whatever, and they just have a small little bolus every single morning uh, and do that. But I found – And, and that's a sub-Q. Sub-Q, exactly. And, and sub-Q is a delivery bolus is just fine? Yep, exactly. And then – but I find from, a, from an IM standpoint, so again, shallow muscle – three times a week. So it's like basically every other day and taking the weekend off, right? Mm -hmm. Now, some guys can inject twice a week and that's fine. 
Um, you know, and a lot of guys don't want to inject themselves three days a week, right? But again, if you want to mimic the body's natural pulse it will release, the injection frequency matters. And then the second format, and everything else is useless, is transdermally at the base of the scrotum. Now, the reason you can do it at the base of the scrotum is because the scrotum, um, you know, the epididymis, that skin level right there at the base of the scrotum is eight, it's so thin and so permeable that you get, and there's three studies on this right now out there, but there's, you get eight times the best absorption or efficacy of a transdermal release right there than you would anywhere else on the body. So hmm. I would agree with you, if you put it on your arms or your forearms or your inner thighs, you're not gonna get the absorption that you get on the base of the scrotum. So there's three doctors right now in the world that have really pioneered this and have really patented this. In fact, I switched after 18 years of injections to doing it that way. Um, and honestly, it's the same. You get the same effects as you get injectable. The only difference that I feel, and again, it's my opinion, right? But I've been doing it now for two years is you do get a little bit enhanced sexual functioning because when you put the proximity to the, the scrotum, right. well, you get dihydrotestosterone. So you're going to get a stronger DHT signal right there. And so that obviously is the primary anabolic hormone, you know, even more so than test. And so you will feel a little bit better sexual functioning, especially in guys in monogamous relationships. But beyond that, it's the same. So injections, cream on the bottom of your nuts, everything else is BS. Everything. Right. The patch on the, on the shoulder, all of it. Garbage. Totally. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, and it, you know, it gets on your wife and she may not like yeah, that. No, it's worthless, it's just, dude. You know, and, and it is important too, Mark, to know that it's got to be 200 milligrams per milliliter of the cream. If you're using anything less than that, like an androgel dosage, like 10 milligrams or 30 milligrams, that shit's worthless. It's got to be yeah. 200 milligrams per milliliter because, again, the cream has a different half life. It's much faster than an injection. Right. Now, uh, what about varying the ester uh, with? Uh, with frequent injections. Uh, I remember a long time ago, I remember a long time ago, testosterone propionate was available as a, yes. as a much shorter half-life ester than uh, either testosterone cypionate or testosterone enanthate. Enanthate is what's generally available in Europe. Correct. It's, that's that the long half-life ester over there, and, and we use enanthate in the United States. But propionate was, was available a long time ago. I haven't seen it available in a long time. What's the, what's the thinking on propionate now? It's a great for, question. In my first book that I wrote in 2015, the TRT Manual, which is like dead now, um, but still a very high-selling book, um, we liked propionate due to the exact reasons that you spoke. It, it is a shorter half-life. The inter-individuality of testosterone release is more noticeable with a shorter half-life uh, agent or ester like propionate. But fast forward six years now, and we've looked at testosterone you know, under the microscope, and we've looked at how it cle cleaves molecularly. And at the bottom, at the end of the day, testosterone is testosterone, right? So mm -hmm. if the propionate half-life, which is somewhere between 36 and 42 hours you know, mm -hmm. estimated, and the cypionate is between say 56 and 72 again if you're doing injected you know frequent injections it's not going to matter right, right. what th what matters is that you get a stable injectable solution that's not full of cottonseed oil and other bullshit impurities that the pharmaceutical companies you know put in there you need to get a stable carrier molecule like grapeseed oil 
or medium chain triglyceride oil or something that's not going to cause a histological response in the body. And as you know, a lot of guys inject the garbage pharmaceutical products and literally get infections or get some yeah. sort of a reaction and they get, you know, puffy skin, cellulitis. So well, that's the most important thing. Now. Some of that is some of that reaction is a, is a result of the uh, uh, benzyl alcohol exactly. and uh, yep. uh, benzoic acid that are used as, as uh, sterilizers and stabilizers. And some people that's are real true. sensitive to that. But you think that there is a, a downside to the use of the of cottonseed oil as a suspension agent for the for the ester? Oh, absolutely. Really? It's full of GMO products. Yeah. No. And I mean, they've seen now, like with the guys out there that do, um, that prescribe the uh, compounded pharmacy blends, um, they see, you know, with their patients, there's a much less um, issue with than just the cottonseed oil. Because again, the cottonseed oil is the old school, you know, pharmacologic, big pharma usage. That's what they use is the carrier molecule. But there's just so many uh, agents or additives in that. Mm-hmm. It's just not as good as like a thinner oil that's more absorbable. I remember that uh, Upjohn decades yeah. ago sure. used sesame oil Yeah, as, yep. their, as their suspension agent. Yep. And sesame oil is a lot better than uh, cottonseed oil. But if you look at big pharma and you look at, you know, the main, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, generic providers of sipinate, mm-hmm. that's going to be the main co- carrier molecule. Now, if you see the underground community, right, they're all using um, either MCT oil or grapeseed oil for the most part, or, 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 or um, what you just said, what was it? Sesame oil. Mm-hmm. So they're using those three, you know, then whatever the solvent is, which will be like propylene glycol or oleic acid or whatever. But uh, most men today, if they're inflamed and they inject cottonseed oil, they're going to have a reaction to it. I shouldn't say mm-hmm. most, but a sizable number of men will. I've never had a reaction to an to injection like that. Uh, before, so I guess I'm probably okay, but I, you, you would say that if you've got injection site irritation, then right, then then probably it's the the carrier oil that is the problem. Right? Most of the time, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And if some you're guys, using sterile technique and you haven't screwed <laughs> well, something, so, up. well, right. some guys. It's a good point though, because some guys, as you know, also will respond to um, if they're using propionate. Because it, it, you know, there's the, that agent is more water-based, you know, aqua. The, whatever these, whatever the solvent they use, in it, that can burn too. So some guys are a little sensitive mm-hmm. to that too. But they still, it's out there. Propionate still prescribed. There's actually docs now that um, there's uh, what do you call it? Compounding pharmacies that use a combination of propionate and sipionate together. Mm-hmm. But to your question originally, because I didn't answer it, um, I don't think that there is that big of a difference if you use a short-acting ester with a longer-acting ester, which, as you know, in Europe with Sustanon, that's what they do. Is that what Sustanon is? I've heard of that, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, so Sustanon is like four different esters. But again, at the end of the day, once it cleaves, right, it's, it's still it's testosterone. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, some of the other delivery mechanisms that you might be presented with if you go in for trt uh how many men are offered an implant a pellet uh i know that uh women are treated with a pellet a subcube pellet uh real real frequently and yeah. a pellet is typically depending on the age of the of the female it's a combination of uh estrogen and testosterone and for older women 
uh, or for younger women, is just testosterone. Right. And uh, I have never heard of a male being offered a testosterone-only pellet. I'd, I'd be very skeptical of that myself because of the absolute defeat of the pulsatile mechanism of uh, that that would have on the levels of testosterone. But, uh, I mean, testosterone levels go up and down in a normal male. Right. And if you've got a pellet that goes in and erodes slowly over three months. Right. Uh, I, I've never even heard of that. Is that actually going on in certain Mark, clinics? it is so incredible. It is the biggest replacement business going. It's a billion dollars a year. It's and, and let me just say this right now. Obviously, I'm very anti that. It is proven unstable. Uh, let, let, let's get the big picture of why it's garbage, right? As you just said, every person is biochemically unique, right? So mm-hmm. you implant, a, you know, a, a, basically a pellet of testosterone. And by the way, just so you know, there's actually guys out there implanting uh, pellets of testosterone and an AI together, which is absolutely a fiasco. But everyone's going to cleave that testosterone inter-individually differently, again, due to biochemical you know, uniqueness. So right. some guys are going to cleave all that testosterone in six weeks and then be left to sit there and die for the next six weeks until they get to the next pellet insertion. Mm-hmm. Now, the other issue, which is the biggest issue, yeah. is that you're having a non-surgical doctor cut you open, right? Perform surgery, essentially, because it is invasive. It's absolutely it's, it's far more invasive than a simple injection. It's absolutely invasive. I have a <clears throat> box. I have a folder on my desktop, which I can't show you, obviously, for uh, private purposes. But people send me emails all the time, and they show me their, their extrusions where they had a surgical implant. And it's the most horrific, god-awful, you know, they're infected. They've got, you know, oh, dude. It's the worst thing you could ever possibly do. It doesn't make any sense. And Mark, by the way, it's literally between eight and ten times more expensive than injection or cream. Wow. That's how expensive it is. That's it's amazing. insane. Well, but I notice uh, I, again. I, I my experience with it has been they're offering it to girls. No, they offer and, it to but, men. But the boys, I've never, I've never heard of anybody getting a, a, a testosterone pellet. That seems kind of stupid to me. Well, guess uh, guess why they sell it? Just, just so you know, guess why they well, sell it's a, it? It's, they make a hell of a bunch of money. The, well, and the, men are afraid to inject themselves. The pellet is $325 if you have it done around here. for right. the Women are, are paying $325 for a three-month, quote-unquote, three-month pellet. Uh, the pellet is probably worth about 15 bucks. Yeah, and uh, so it's a it's a high markup item, and that's I know why they're using it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I do see a lot of reluctance among among men to give themselves a shot. Poor little guys, <laughs> poor poor little things. They just can't bring themselves to. Give us a shot. That's 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 <laughs> that might hurt. God, dude, needle oh, is huge, man. Oh huge. Jesus Christ. All right, well, you know, you now let's let's pick up on something you mentioned earlier. AI is an aromatase inhibitor. Let's talk about aromatase inhibitors and what they do. 
so man, this is a whole nother podcast. Um, but I love talking about this and, and quite honestly, I learned a lot about this in the last four years, because when I first started writing about testosterone, you know, I was under the impression that, you know, an AI in a precise surgical dose was okay. But the reality is, is very simply this, you never, ever, ever under the very most extreme circumstances for a guy that has, or a woman that has, you know, some sort of uh, genetic defect. You you never want to prescribe an aromatase inhibitor because estrogen is actually, at the end of the day, as important, if not more important, than testosterone. Because this is what exactly what I wanted to talk about. Uh, so listen, so estrogen confers all the biological effects that a male and a female needs to grow. It in bone mineral density, brain synaptic pathway issues, vascular issues. Estrogen is what prevents all the issues that you would have in your heart, right? And there's so many other things like uh, fluid viscosity in the joints and the soft tissues. So there's so many things that estrogen as a pleiotropic and, hormone must be allowed to do that inhibiting its formation, and obviously it's through the aromatization of testosterone, you are suppressing every well, biological system let's, you let's have. Let's not assume that's obvious, all right? When, right. when you, uh, aromatization is the, is the chemical process by which uh, the precursor hormones are converted into uh, the downstream versions. Right. Would you? Exactly. So we start with pregnenolone, right? Correct. Can we talk about the, the, the cascade there? Very good, Mark. Very good. You want me to talk about yeah. that? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so essentially just big picture because I don't want to go too in the weeds for people, although I know you have a lot of smart guys on your show. Um when testosterone comes into the body, whether it's injected or through a cream, obviously it does aromatize into estrogen. And right. estrogen, there's a bunch of different, you and, know, there, you've got three different, there's three different hormones of estrogen. I, again, I don't want to get into the weeds, but it's critically, critically important that estrogen is allowed to not be blocked. Because right. again, estrogen confers all of the biological um, benefits, heart protection, joint protection, bone mineral density protection, um, brain protection. I mean, so many things that, again, as you said, estrogen is doing downstream. And, and aromatization is the process by which one of the end groups is cleaved from the basic hormone molecule, right? The, right, exactly. The steroid molecule, right? Exactly. And uh, now AIs, aromatase inhibitors, are – have a therapeutic purpose in breast cancer, right? And that's it. And even and that's then, all. it's debatable. Right? <laughs> right. 100%. But so, so a, a cancer that is susceptible to the presence of estrogen in right. uh, uh, a breast cancer or an ovarian cancer would benefit from the blocking of that at the receptor site with an aromatase inhibitor. In other words, Correct. if we can keep estrogen from being produced from base hormones, then we can prevent the the susceptible neoplastic tissue from reacting to the presence of estrogen and therefore manage those cancers more effectively, right? Very awesome. You just said neoplastic. Yeah, I'm You got man, this, brother. I'm bright. You, you know yes. this. I'm bright. <laughs> But no, it's true. But 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 just to that point too, that's also there. That's also theoretic, right? Because if you talk to the smartest oncologists today, they will also tell you that even a woman that has breast cancer 
or some form of metastatic tumor, you know, isolating, you know, with a medicine such as an AI is theoretical too, because there's no way to know that it's going to be specific to that tissue or to that receptor. Mm -hmm. So again, it's kind of like a shotgun approach. But anyway, let's go back to AIs and why they're in male. Right. In, 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 in our discussion today, what's the problem with them? And why, so, why so, would somebody decide to use that? And what's wrong with it? So, so, so it's a, d d just real big picture. Um, and by the way, I, you know, I'll give this guy credit. There's a physician. Um, he's actually an ex-pro bodybuilder. Or I think he got his pro bodybuilder card. But uh, his name is Dr. Scott Howell. And he's in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And he helps pro bodybuilders now come off of super physiologic levels of testosterone and then also obviously AIs, right? Now, here's the thing, and, and, and I just want to glance over this and then we'll get into the conversation. We now know through Scott's work and researcher, and by the way, he's an epidemiologist, and he now knows that the issues that pro bodybuilders have, guys are on massive amounts of gear and everything else, the issues that they're dying from are actually caused to the aromatase inhibitor because what the aromatase inhibitor does, obviously in blocking estrogen, blocking aromatization and the pathways, it causes micro seizures, okay, in the plaque and in the vascular networks, which lead to heart attacks, MIs. Really, the absence of the estrogen uh, affects the plaque structure itself? Exactly. Really? Exactly. Does yeah, he no, have he an explanation for that? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll connect you with him, and I have a podcast and a couple blogs, but he's the smartest guy on the planet with that. You know, he just talked to Dave Palumbo about that, but it's very, very late stuff. But anyway, that's also in the book, and, you know, he's a good friend of mine. But at the end of the day, somewhere along the line about 15 years ago, and I, I may be going back a little bit further than that, the bodybuilding slash strongman slash – you know, performance community saw or thought, and it obviously extended into the clinical world that if you had high levels of testosterone, you needed low levels of estrogen. Mm -hmm. okay, that's what they thought. That's what they saw. And I think most people, including yourself, including me, who were trained in this, you know, somewhat formally, somewhat, you know, in the gym, um, had that same, you know, approach. And so then it well, made it, it seems superficially logical, right? Right. That if you if if you're trying to carry high testosterone levels you don't want estrogen in there competing right for the for the receptor sites but that's probably Correct. not what's going on is it exactly right right well what's going on and now and, and again again credit to scott on this uh and he's taught me a lot is that regardless of the level of testosterone that you use whether it's you and me talking about therapeutic or it's a super physiologic bodybuilder or strongman you must allow the testosterone to cleave through aromatization to its basic level based on your biochemical individuality. Right. Because it's going to happen anyway. Exactly. So blocking it is the dumbest possible thing that you can do because, again, you are literally stopping the pleiotropic effects of estrogen, which, again, is what confers all of the positive beneficial effects to a human biological system. Right. It's insane that people continue to do it. And doctors are out there, as I said, putting it in solutions, Mark. Imagine getting a testosterone bolus that has an AI in the oil. Right. That's what's going on out there. Right. It seems rather, it seems rather dumb. But, well, if the benefits of, of estrogen – uh, I guess we're talking about estradiol as the Correct. as the ester, are uh, 
are are obvious. Do we supplement estradiol? That's a, nobody's ever asked me that question. I got to give you a golf clap. Yes. For men that have genetically low levels of estrogen, which many do, and then they take therapeutic testosterone and their number still only goes up just a slight, you know, smidgen, it's actually usually a really good effect. In fact, the top docs out there right now between oncologists and what I call optimization doctors, for men that have stage one uh, prostate cancer, they're giving them estradiol. They're giving them two and a half to five milligrams of estradiol because, again, that is going to increase the aromatization that they genetically are not getting. So you know, if you don't aromatize enough testosterone and testosterone to estradiol, it would be beneficial to take some estradiol, too. 100%. Dr. Neil Rougier, who's one of the top physicians slash clinicians in the world that you know is talking about this, who I've been blessed to do a couple podcasts with. That's what he does in his patients. I mean, he gives them estradiol. You know, again, it's like tantamount. People are like, what? But again, as you know, medicine is always always learning and always evolving. But yeah, well, absolutely. It's not all doctors term. are, though. No. And no. Uh, yeah, it's interesting that uh, the aromatization of, of testosterone to the to estrogen compounds is... Uh, is pretty well understood and it's a it's a natural side effect of right. finding the correct dose of testosterone for the guy. Exactly. Right? That's that's part of the calculation. And uh I, I find it interesting that uh, aromatase inhibitors are, are so popular. Uh it's just, you know, you cannot and, and the, one of the most important things that you under, that you understand when you start looking at this in depth is that you cannot manipulate uh, any level on the on the hormone axis, right? Without impacting the Everything other levels else. too. Correct. It's you, a downstream thing. Yeah, yes. absolutely. But but the important thing to remember is that if you stick a hormone in. All right. The tropic hormone above that is going to be depressed because you've already got Correct. a level of the hormone it is trying to cause to be secreted. Right. Right. Under on underneath it. And all of those things are perturbed when you add a hormone. So you had better tread carefully. And, and when you start throwing in aromatase inhibitors and stuff, you're affecting things that you don't even know occur. And part of the, as I just mentioned, part of the, part of the way you titrate up to the correct physiologic dose for testosterone optimization therapy is to find out how much you need to achieve all of these effects taking the aromatase process into into consideration you're going to get some estradiol out of the end of this thing and it's supposed to be there well said and uh so uh how then do we correctly titrate the dose of testosterone replacement it's a great question and you know one of my mentors taught me that the twofold goal of testosterone optimization therapy is happiness and balance Right. So you are going to figure out how 
you feel good and you feel balanced, right? Because mm -hmm. some guys on a dosage that's too high are going to be a little bit irritable or have a little bit of mood in instability. Um, and until you get to that level, and again, you know, this, your, your uh, dosage is probably going to be, you know, some guys they figured out in three weeks, some guys they figured out in six weeks, but ultimately when you feel really good and smooth and cool as a cucumber, mm -hmm. you're probably at the right dosage. Now I tell guys, you know, and again, you know, there's obviously a lot of variability now, but I think that most guys do pretty good somewhere between two, uh, excuse me, 175 and 250 milligrams a week. And mm -hmm. again, the more frequent the dosage, the more frequent or the better they're going to feel, um, you know, biologically, they're going to mimic the endogenous release of testosterone. Right. You know, some guys, some guys need more. There's no question. The best doctors know that it's not about measuring the levels in the standard mean deviation. It's again it's, about how they feel. Do it's they the subjective effects yeah. because of Absolutely. the fact that Absolutely. the reference range is bullshit. Total bullshit. The, I, the, the guys I've talked to about this will all tell you that the reference range is meaningless. If you are having symptoms, then we treat and exactly. we treat up to, we titrate up to totally. symptomatic relief. And exactly. whatever that is and whatever reference range, whatever level that generates in the patient is the level at which we're optimum. That's 100%. And let me just add to that. There's a caveat to that because I would have always said that that's the exact right answer. But the caveat now is that the system, the medical system itself, is starting to audit you know, patient right. files. Right. And so if you see a guy that has a 2,600 level total testosterone, that guy might feel amazing, Mark. He might be exactly what you say. He has zero symptoms. He feels amazing. His life has changed. His sex drive is great. He's got blue steel. But if that, you know, if that state medical licensing board audits that physician and they see that number, that physician is going to be called out on the carpet and you're going to say, what the hell is this? And then that doc is going to be like presenting your case. Hey man, right. this is, this is normal. So it's important that we put that out there that you right. know you got to work with a doctor that understands that because some doctors will see you at 1200 or 1500 and say, "Oh, I got to lower your dose." Right. Right. They're they're uh they're afraid of their oversight. Exactly. In a situation like that. Uh It's not their fault you know, either. They're doing their job. You know, and I understand that. I understand that, but but I want to I want to pick up on something you said just a second ago. Uh, that relates to the first topic we, we talked about today in the show. Uh, you said happiness. When we're talking about depression, and I want to ask you about this because I presented this, this question to a couple of psychiatrists I've had this conversation with, and I want to see what you think about this. Uh, as a general, just as a general philosophical question, what is the opposite of depression? <laughs> All right. Now, feeling good. Stick with me here. Is it feeling good? Is it happiness? Is it joy? Or is it aggression? Now, by aggression, I don't mean want to be in a fight. That's not what I'm talking about. Right. What I'm talking about is the fact that when a when a person is depressed, what do they typically do? They sit there with their hands in their lap and they stare at their hands and right. they don't do anything. They right. don't do a goddamn thing. 
Right. It's like waking sleep. Right. Versus a person who is normal and in command of their situation. How do they feel? Right. Happiness is a downstream effect of and and I, I hesitate to use the term aggression, but I don't know of another word for it. Uh, I'll give you one. The, Strategically assertive. Okay. All right. That's assertiveness would, would be a good synonym for what I'm talking about. Uh, a person who is depressed is not assertive at all. No. A person who is depressed is not, uh, uh, is minimally responsive to external stimuli they're just they just receive things they don't yeah. react to them and i think that if you look at the depression aggression axis in this way that the role of testosterone becomes rather obvious mm-hmm. and i think that's an excellent way to think about it and i've mentioned this to a couple of psychiatrists and they say, well, you know, that's interesting. <laughs> no, that's interesting. I'll have to think about that. Uh, you know, Mark, you know, if there was only testosterone in a pill. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be better. Wouldn't it would be better. Uh, I remember methyl testosterone used to be, available in a pill is that still a thing well so let's talk about that so about three months ago a company called um uh, i think they're clarite therapeutics they have their own uh capsule now and it's obviously just the old school andriol and it's called jitenzo so it's basically you know testosterone in a very low level in a uh, capsule with an oil based that you can take but Again, if you're well, familiar it has with Andrew, to have another. It has to be in an ester form, or it won't get through the stomach. Well, the, you know? the reality of it is, is it? I mean, it's it's in a very, 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 very poorly solvent ester, and so again, it it there's no there's no hepatoxicity because it's not methyl alkylated. Right. But you have to take a bunch of these during a day. So again, it's another example of like the pharmaceutical industry getting a man to bump up a little bit in the normal range. Right, mm-hmm. but also costs a lot of money, and so that's well, actually, it's nothing I would be interested in doing since injectable oh, no, testosterone is quite inexpensive. Yeah, you know, exactly. If you could it's get useless. somebody to write you a prescription for it, so right. Well, yeah. it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a cat. I mean, uh, what do you call it? A uh, uh, an insurance payment scam now too, because they'll they'll right. start offering that to men, you know, for a thousand dollars a month. God. You know, yeah, it's crazy, dude. God. And they won't even they won't even feel testosterone. It'll just be a slight right. bump. Right. Well, so uh, having said all of this, and now we've got kind of a theoretical background for what we want to try to do, uh, who are we going to get to do it for us? This is, uh, this is the biggest problem that most guys have got. They don't have access to somebody who has his head out of his ass right, to right. help him with this. Yep. This is a this is a giant problem. Uh, yep. PRT clinics solved some of it. You know those things have sprung up, and you know where you can go to your urologist, and he's going to first tell you that you're normal, 
at, <laughs> at, at 271. And that second, yeah, he'll let you try some cream, you know, if you'll promise not to, you know, tell anybody you're doing it or, or whatever. <laughs> And and then third, he's going to say, "Well, your levels back up to four seventy five, so I'm you're not going to write you any more of the cream." All right, you're fine. So yeah. uh, you're fine now, you know, like you're going to stay that way. So that's what most people run into. So the way they fix that is they go to the TRT clinic, and the TRT clinic will test you because that's just part of the formal thing they have to do, and then they're going to give you an injection, and you go right. in every week and you get the injection. But your thinking on this is that once a week injection is not optimum and that uh, uh, every other day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday is a, is a good injection schedule. But in order for that to, to be the case, the guy's going to have to write you a prescription and send you home with the vial and the needles yep. and, and trust you to, to do this the way he's telling you to do it. If you can find somebody that will do that for you, and usually you can't. So we've got, we have the idea, we know what we need to do. Yep. But how do we get it done? So it's a great question. Maybe the best question on the show. Um, And I've told you this like off air, there's maybe 10 amazing hormone doctors in the world. Right. (laughs) And I I happen to And I don't know any of them. (laughs) <laughs> well, I know the best one. So like, are you, are you comfortable with me recommending a couple people right now? If, uh, you think they don't mind. Oh and, no, they don't mind. No, and absolutely. if they will work with people in a remote setting. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let me, let, let's talk about that. So since COVID, whatever that is, don't say anything, Mark. <laughs> okay, Jay. I won't. Well, it's over now. I didn't want oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's all. That's, that's all gone now. So since COVID or whatever it is, uh, they do now have, they've, they've laxed telemedicine laws. So now anybody anywhere can work with a doctor remotely through Skype, through Zoom. Really? Through whatever. Well, let's have us some more of that COVID shit then. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's going to save a bunch of people a bunch of money and time, isn't it? <laughs> So, so let me give you, let me give you three doctors in the United States. They're amazing. There's one guy who's in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and his name is Dr. Keith Nichols. And I'll give his link out. It's tier one, T I E R one, the number H W health and wellness.com. So tier one H W.com. That's the guy, Dr. Keith Nichols. And then his partner is Dr. Scott Howell. And he's the ex-pro bodybuilder that now helps guys come off of super physiologic levels. Both of those guys are the best. They know more about this. They well, Keith was like the doctor for the um, well, Nashville Predators and then also the Tennessee Titans. And then he was also involved in MMA. You know, he knows Dana White and all those guys. So he is brilliant when it comes to this. And then, of course, Scott is the smartest guy on the planet with understanding epi- the epidemiologist effects of estrogen another guy is dr rob komenarik and he's in dayton ohio and his website is renew r-e-n-u-e health.com also very close personal friend of mine amazing been prescribing hormones for 24 and a half years uh and then the other guy is dr jim Meehan, and he is in tulsa oklahoma 
and also very advanced um, former ophthalmologist. I mean, still an ophthalmologist, but, you know, he has his formal training and then he was quacked and he went down this path and he learned everything. And now he's like one of the guys that lectures and talks. Now, there's a lot of other guys named, you know, with big names in the industry. Um, you know, I could say Dr. Mark Gordon, brilliant, but Dr. Mark Gordon doesn't take new patients and he's so overwhelmed with all the military and Joe Rogan and all that stuff. But there's a lot of other doctors I could bring up, but those three guys still have a practice that is thriving and they take new patients and they would love to work with men that listen to your show. Well, uh, I'd By love way, for them to do cent. that. Uh, I don't make a cent recommending them just so guys know there's no, they don't pay no, me. No, I understand. I understand. That's, that's good of you to say that, but, uh, uh, we don't want to uh, give anyone the impression that we're uh, we're uh, fishing for commissions here because we're certainly not doing yeah, that. Yeah, no, but of course. And, we've and got way, a uh, you know we we've we got a whole bunch of people. People ask me this all the time. People ask us every seminar. We see guys that are in the in the seminar that are not on testosterone that need to be on testosterone. They're asking me, well, what what do I do? Yeah, and the only option I've got for them right now is to go to a TRT clinic. Most bigger uh, markets have got at least one. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's the closest you're going to be able to do. Yeah, uh, that to a situation that makes any sense because if you approach your general uh, practitioner about this, you're you're going to be dealing with somebody that doesn't know anything more about this than the girl at the cleaners. Yeah, you know, or they're receptionists. Or yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, the the literally, that they don't have the slightest idea what they're Clueless. what they're doing, and it's 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 harmful to ask them about it. Yeah, no, you're hundred percent you know, right. Uh, you need to go to somebody. So, in the absence of access to a guy that's got his head out of his ass, a TR T clinic is the is the most accessible option. But these four guys that you've mentioned today, uh, put that we have a tra this show carries a transcript with it, and that'll be available. And their names will be available in the contact information in the transcript. So you guys that are wanting to know what that was, just look down in the transcript, and it'll be there. Uh, what would you say an optimum uh, therapy program would look like for a guy that's that's into this that's still uh, trying to find his level versus a guy that's been doing this for five years? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, let me let me go back to address something, though, you said, too, about the TRT clinics. You know, I call them windmill clinics. Mm -hmm. It's very important, especially, you know, and you're right. You said there's, you know, every major city has one. I mean, if you're in a major city, you got hundreds to pick from. They're mm -hmm. all over Google. Um, it's very important, and you said this very early in the show, Mark, it's very important that men do this right from initiation because if you go to a TRT clinic and they put you on 10 different things, there's absolutely no idea to know what the testosterone is doing molecularly right. in your body because it's not right. in isolation. If you, if so you start a, per, a, a, a therapy program and there are five variables in it, it is impossible trouble. to say yep. which one – of those treatments are responsible for exactly. what happens to you. You can't yep. tease the effects apart. Exactly. So uh, if if they're doing uh, cream, sublingual uh, injections, AI, if you got all of that shit going on at the same time, <laughs> you, 
You have no idea what happened. It's insane. Yeah. It's literally insane. Plus, pregnenolone, which, you, as you know, is a steroid precursor of mother hormone. And yeah. then they're giving them mel- melatonin. Oh, and God. they're giving them HCG. They're, they're, you got like what, seven chemicals. You're, you're try- <laughs> what they're doing is they're, they're trying to run up the bill. Make right? money. You want yeah. to go to a clinic that gives you an injection of testosterone cypionate, and yep. that's all. That's it. And that's literally. all. That's it. And, and then, then see how you feel. It, they can vary the dose, but if they're putting more than one thing in you, go to another clinic. Exactly. Yeah. So it's beautiful, what, man. So that's like that's how you start. What does it look like five years down the road? Another good question. I mean, you know, you really, once you get balanced and leveled out, you don't really have to increase the dosage. I mean, depending on what your lifestyle is and what your Mm -hmm. goals are. I mean, if you're a strong man or a professional athlete or a power lifter or something, maybe you want to bump the dosage a little bit. Maybe you want to use peptides or consider a human growth hormone or something. Again, it's all relevant to your goals, but you never have to tweak your dosage. I mean, I've been on testosterone therapeutically now for close to 20 years. And my dosage never changes. I mean, 18 years of injections and now two years of the cream on my balls. And, uh, you know, it's the same thing. I wake up in the morning. I take, you know, uh, after I get out of the shower, I just take a couple clicks of the dispenser right at the base of my balls, wash off my hands. Good to go, right? If a guy's injecting, a guy's injecting, you know, again, I recommend that you do at least three times a week. And if you're needle phobic or you hate injecting yourself at least twice. And let's, let's, let's just talk about that for one second. You want frequency because, again, the way the the ester cleaves in the right. system. It levels out the, exactly. the blood, so the serum wanna, levels. You want to hit the nadir as it's coming down. You're hitting it going back up again. So you're right. always kind of like this. Right. Yeah. Right. But uh, at a TRT clinic, you're going to get one a week. Yeah, for the most part. For the most part. And that's better than nothing. Than none at all. That's better Absolutely. than none at all. Especially if it is an injection of 200 milligram of test zipionate. And if that's what's available to you, then that's what you do. Exactly. Yeah, testosterone injected once a week is better than none at all. Let's make that very, very clear. Oh, yes. I think it's important because that may be, for most people, the only option they've got. Well, if if your option is is one, is 200 milligram a week of test zipionate. I am uh, versus a transdermal patch. There's no question. <laughs> There's no useless. question. Go get, go buy some pills or some Andro boosters or yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's about the yeah. same thing. So just, it's not, exactly. uh, uh, there's no question as to which one you do. Optimum would be more frequent, but if all you've got access to is one shot a week, then that's what you do. Now, it's also going to be important to understand that this is not necessarily cheap. It's very seldom right. cheap. How many insurance plans will cover testosterone replacement therapy? Good question. Um, now, with everything that's changed and the way they're hack- coming down on the, probably uh, none. the state medical licensing board, none. I think this now, is probably not- all out of pocket. I think yeah. it's going to be all I mean, out of pocket. And really? legitimate doctor. And, and, and really, Jay, that's the way you want it. Exactly. I don't think you. I exactly. don't think you want to be on record as being exactly. on testosterone. 
I think it's probably to your advantage that that all happens out of pocket and that remains the business of you and the guy that's doing it for you. And that's all. That's right. That's right. And by the way, that's a good point because if you're, you know, from a life insurance actuary table, no, no, because they don't understand it. And I don't want them figuring it in as a variable and doing the math (laughs) wrong because that's what they'll do. It's exactly oh, what you're they'll a be. Prostate cancer, a heart attack cancer, or a candidate now. Yeah, right. you can never. You're yeah. right. Good point. No, you can't. You can't tell them what you're doing on that. They just don't understand the data. No, no clue. They're years right. away from understanding that. Right, right. If they ever do. Yeah. Well, anything else you want to cover today, Jay? This has been real good. We need to. Um, uh, get back in touch about the PSA thing. I want to talk about that. That's, that's worth an entire show. If you'll get prepped up, did we leave anything out today? You want to talk about? Not really, man. I mean, it was phenomenal. You asked really good questions. Let me uh, uh, go ahead and plug the book again. Sure. Here it is. The testosterone optimization therapy Bible. It's about 600 pages, very dense information. Get it, read it, make up your own mind. Uh, do some research on your own and, uh, but you guys that are, that are in the situation where you need, where you need this stuff, I think you know who you are. And if you don't know who you are, you need to think about it. It's not good for you 55 year old guys. And I keep saying 55, it might happen at 38. Yeah. You might be fine till you're 70. Yep. It varies with the individual. All of this stuff varies with the individual. But if you're sitting around not feeling like you know you need to feel, why don't you consider this as a primary treatment for that? Because, A, it doesn't hurt anything to try it. And, B, it doesn't take very long before you know exactly whether it's going to work or not. These two things are very, very important. If, if your doctor goes in and gives you a loading dose, a 400 milligram of testosterone, uh, the worst thing that you could have happen to you would be you wake up every morning with steel. And yeah. that's not a bad thing. I think you'll agree that's not a bad thing. But if in 72 hours your outlook on life has radically changed, then I think you'll find that you're happy with this as an option. Jay, thanks for being with us today. Mark, man, it's humbly privileged and honoring. Let me just say again real quick for the guys who are too lazy to buy the book, you know, I give this out. It's just important for me. Give Uh, us that web address again and we'll. Yeah, yeah, for sure. jccampbell.com forward slash free books. And not That's only J A Y C Campbell.com. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And uh, not only will you get the free book on the Bible, the PDF, you get it downloaded immensely. It's got all, you know, the links from like the people like you that I've have interviewed me that will go back and, you know, deep level detail. And obviously I'm going to put your podcast when it comes out too there. <clears throat> right. It's a very Excellent. important topic, as you know. It is a very important topic to those of us in this business and those that are, those of us that are in the business of being males at the age of 64. Uh, I think you'll find that uh, this is, this is an important thing that you can do. I want you to seriously consider it. Jay, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Mark. And thank you guys for being here on Starting Strength Radio. We'll see you next Friday.